welcome to our podcast perspectives. This is a podcast that we've been doing at Orchard Hill for a while just to try to have conversations around a lot of current issues and bring some biblical thinking hopefully to them. Uh, not always saying that that we're landing the exact biblical worldview, sometimes just trying to understand what are the implications of how the Bible speaks to an issue. But today we're going to do something a little different. This is the second in a series of podcasts uh, that you may have heard the first one where we talked about a Mount Rushmore of biblical characters. And today we're going to uh, do a Mount Rushmore of Christian characters not in the Bible. Uh, so kind of historical or current figures. So, but before we do that, um, let's just ask a, a, another simple question, and maybe it's not that simple. And that is, are there any um, current musical artists or songs that have spoken to you, either Christian or non-Christian, mm-hmm. where you would say, you know, this has really just uh, been something that's uh, that you know I've had a chance to interact with and have really enjoyed or found meaningful. There's this great song by Luke Bryant called Sunrise, Sunburn, Sunset, <laughs> Repeat. That That is a classic. A lot of important, uh, deep lyrics there, without any doubt. No, I, uh, there's a song, most recently it's um, affected me, I'd say, is uh, a song by the afters called, I think it's called I Will Fear No More. Um, and so I've been uh, listening to that uh, regularly, and there's this line in it. Um, that someone else pointed out to me that goes, uh, even though I'm in the storm, the storm is not in me. Um, so I just think that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. It's relevant. For yeah, today. for sure. Mm-hmm. So I was recently introduced to um, a song that's coming out on Sufjan Stevens' new album coming up here. Um, he toured apparently America and and started to write songs on his observations of our current culture. And this song is called Sugar, and it's full of cliches. And so you have to kind of fold back the cliches to get to the meaning. And it's, it's, I would recommend um, the video representation of this song. It's beautiful ballet choreography. I'm a fan of that. (laughs) And it, it tells a narrative, one person's perspective of the narrative of the American family. Okay, good. Um, I've been listening a little bit to Waxahachie's uh, album, St. Cloud, and uh, she is certainly not a person who probably would espouse uh, Christian faith. Uh, She's dealt with some drug addiction, and this is her sober album coming out of it. Mm. Um, And uh, she's got a song called Hell, and and on it she talks about uh, basically how she put somebody in her life through hell. Um, so you can make the assumption that that's what she's referencing, but the part that, uh, that grabbed me is she says, and I hover above like a deity, but you don't worship me. You don't worship me. Yeah. You stripped the illusion. You did it well. I put you through hell. And, and the reason I think that particular lyric jumped at me was because I think so often in, in current relational world, in our culture, um, people do deify romantic love to a point where it's like, like you are, you almost do want to be worshiped. And that's what, what our culture and music often says. And so I just like the, the rawness of saying, you know, I understand that, that I've blown that illusion. And if you can still connect to me, we can actually try to build something real. And I thought that's a Hmm. really genuine process that any relationship that's going to really be 
healthy goes through and not just romantic relationships, friendships, um, you know, working relationships is you go from here's what I thought you were to here's what you really are. Here's what I really am. And, and a healthy relationship has to go through that storm to come out the other side. Mm. Otherwise you quit at some point and you just say, I'm done with you. You're done with me. And, uh, and so I, that, yeah, I found that meaningful. Interesting. Was, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. From a different, different source. So, so, well, let's talk about, uh, people that you would put on your, uh, kind of four person, uh, great figures of history slash personally significant people of faith. So, um, so Joel, let's start with you and we'll kind of go you, Emily, me, and, uh, just again, kind of walk around and talk about who those people are. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with William Wilberforce, first of all. Uh, died in 1833. In 1807, the House of Lords in the British Empire prohibited the trade of, sla- uh, trade of slaves because of his influence. Um, I love this guy, and his um, biography, I think, is so meaningful. A guy who um, came to faith and then used his, his life as a politician to cha- literally to revolutionize our world. Um, and, uh, right. You know, it was within like days of his death word was brought to him, um, that, uh, uh, that it was actually abolished, meaning that the, the purchase and ownership of slaves had become illegal. So yeah, William Wilberforce. He was a great one. No question. Well, amazing. He got to see the fruit of his labor before his death. Yeah. Favor from God for sure. (laughs) I was thinking of Elizabeth Elliot. Um, she is one of the first women that I read about when I was a teenager and exploring faith. And I, I think the first book of hers that I read was let me be a woman. And that's when she talks about the fact that I'm a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian, but the fact that I'm a Christian makes me a different kind of woman. And I think that set me on a course of wanting to grow in my faith, to be a different kind of woman in this um, culture. She is, if you don't know, she was the wife of Jim Elliott, who gave his life for the gospel. Um, He was murdered by people that he was bringing the gospel to. And then what I love about Elizabeth Elliott is she went back, she not only forgave her husband's murderers, but she went Mm. back and shared truth and life and lived among them until they came to faith as well. And so her, her writings have impacted me, but her life also of just serving others yeah, um, has really impacted me. So yeah. That's what I would say. Elizabeth Fine Elliot. Wheaton College graduate, Elizabeth <laughs> Elliott, and her husband, Jim Elliott, went to Wheaton. And, uh, and I went to Wheaton, if you didn't know. So that's why I know that piece of trivia. But also, uh, yeah, her story, and it's one of the reasons we know Jim Elliott's story is because of her writings, um, right. without the, any through doubt. Through the Gates of Splendor. Yep. And then she wrote Passion and Purity, which mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. uh, was another, probably a precursor to some of the more modern abstinence, uh, uh, you know, courtship kind of things that are out there. So mm-hmm. um, I went really obvious on my first one, uh, although this might be controversial to some, but I went with Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and my thinking there was, I know for some people, um, the challenge here is they'll say, well, he was communist. He did this, he did that. But just to stand on his faith principles when he did and point people to racial um, uh, equality, uh, the way that he did it, um, I feel like was such a, a revelatory 
moment in our nation's history mm. where he didn't just help the church um, make a turn, but he helped the whole country make a turn. And, and I'm not saying that that work is all done, but again, I, I think that, that that being so clearly informed by his faith um, is just a beautiful testimony to somebody's uh, impact. Yeah. So I'll have to go with the man that Martin Luther King Jr. is named after, ah, nice. <laughs> um, Martin Luther. I, I don't know. To me, that was just an obvious, like, four people from history. He's got to be one of them. He is, you know, the reason, uh, uh, not, not the sole reason, but of course, he is responsible for shaping the church the way that it is today um, for leading the Protestant Reformation. I would concur with you. I, w- I would choose Martin Luther. I'm breaking my pattern of all women. Yeah. <laughs> Since you guys are picking people who have passed, I had some people who are still alive, so I'm not sure they could make the list. But I would say Martin Luther in- impacted generations, but I loved how his focus was start in the home. Hmm. And he wrote a series yeah. of um, catechisms to teach your children. And Corey and I kind of modeled our home life after after that um, challenge to do that, that Sure, we come to church and we learn about faith together in community, but also it's a great responsibility of Christian parents to teach and admonish our children at home with scriptures. And so Martin Luther really influenced us in that area as a family. So I agree with you. Great works on him, like books and uh, there's even a great video on on his life and that there's this moment where he has to stand before like the Catholic court or whatever it was and says, you know, he makes his defense and he says, here I stand, I can do, I can do no more or something like that. Mm. Um, I just thought so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought about him and I thought about Calvin Zwingli, a few of the other people from that era. Um, but I went a different direction. Um, and here I'm going back to my uh, love of obscurity somewhat. Um, and, and I think one of the reasons that I do this and not maybe as much with the biblical characters, but even here is sometimes we like the headliners and I, and that's fair and right because obviously they're people who did something, you know, of note, but I think sometimes it almost produces in Christians, this idea that if, if we don't do something grand, mm. then what I do doesn't count. And sometimes I like the idea of saying, how can we, how can we um, elevate uh, more seemingly mundane contributions? And so my next three are actually more mundane, mm. um, but I think ultimately significant. Um, so I'm going to go with Edward Kimball. Uh, Edward Kimball is a name that probably most people don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edward Kimball taught Sunday school in Chicago in the 1800s. And according to uh, some accounts, Edward Kimball is responsible for leading D.L. Moody to Jesus Christ because D.L. Moody came to his Sunday school and he made it a point to follow up with each kid who came to his Sunday school every Mm -hmm. week. And so he went out and, uh, you know, met D.L. Moody helped him come to faith in Jesus Christ. If you're not familiar with that name, he went on to uh, start a church and a school. The school is still sending out people all over the world um, who are trained in Christianity, but also personally um, helped to lead Frederick Meyer to Jesus Christ, who his ministry Mm -hmm. helped lead William Chapman to Christ, whose ministry helped lead Billy Sunday to Jesus Christ, whose ministry led Billy Graham to Jesus Christ, wow. who uh, went all this way. And the reason I, I like that story is, is just, you know, Edward Kimball's a name that you don't think about or associate with much and never had a Sunday school, from what I understand, bigger than 10 to 15 kids at a time. 
Mm. Um, and yet you can count in his chain from that, if you want to call it that, uh, several names that ended up having huge impact uh, from D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, Billy Graham um, that came out of that. And so sometimes we we look at things and we say, wow, if this isn't doing something huge, it's not doing anything. Yeah. And yet Edward Kimball, I think, stands as a reminder that that God works through things that that don't seem necessarily to us to have the impact that we hope that it does. Wow. My next choice would be William Tyndale. Um, died 1536. He was the first to print the Bible in English. And uh, I, um, again, a biography that's super interesting. Um, he was executed for blasphemy. Um, and uh, he, uh, his last words before being executed was, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Also solely responsible for the word Jehovah ending up, mm-hmm. ending up in the English Bible. I did not know that. Know That's that. interesting. interesting. Yeah. Good. All right. And his legacy lives on in Tyndale House Publishers. That's right. A lot of books yeah. published by them. And when the King James Version was uh, published in 1611, it was uh, very much based upon his translation, which of course has come to influence all of our Bible translations today. Yep. So Great. All right, so I have to pick someone who's still living because she's been an influencer in my faith journey. But and but I, I'm going this direction because of really your encouragement, Kurt, because sometimes it's the small seeds that are planted that grow, uh, to go with that analogy, a huge, huge harvest. And so I'm going to say Ann Voskamp. She's probably not considered a theologian. She's considered a Christian blogger or writer. But she paints word pictures that I can relate to, and mm. she's written books that have impacted how I live my life and how I think about um, Christ and, and his gospel. And one such book is 1,000 Gifts, and someone handed me that book with a challenge to read it and consider changing the way I pray. And um, it was given to me in a season where it was the beginning of a year. So I thought, okay, I'll resolve to, to pray with Thanksgiving every day. That's kind of the challenge in this book. And it set me up for a, a very difficult season of my life. And I look back on that as God's way of teaching me something about him, about knowing who he is and how he provides for us. So when the hard time came, my Job experiences, if you will, I was able to be in the habit of daily thanking the Lord um, for his provision and his, his goodness in my life. So I'm going to say Ann Voskamp. Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. I, wow. I have not read her blogs or her books. Yeah. So, uh, so it, has not, uh, it has not made that, uh, but that's but great. But I bet some in our um, listening audience, I bet some women have. have so. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and I tried to stay away from anybody still living simply because, um, yeah, I, I just always feel like until the book is closed. Uh, You just never know what direction it's going to go. And that's not a slam on anybody living. It's just saying, you know, there's enough people who've kind of, um, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So my next one's Helen Rosevere. I heard Helen Rosevere speak when I was in college and she had been a missionary, a medical missionary uh, in Africa and ended up uh, being caught in a civil war and um, experiencing just some horrendous situations. And I heard her talk about, um, just how she processed that. And, um, and then she's written some books since that time and, uh, is probably not well known, 
but again, stands to me as a life of faithfulness of saying my greatest, um, you know, desire is to really serve God wherever that is, wherever that takes me, whatever it costs and doing that gracefully over the course of a lifetime again, especially after such hardship. And, and maybe if you heard the other podcast where I talked about Job a little, um, maybe that's just my theme right now, but, uh, but I love when I see people who have experienced things that are way harder than I've experienced, because it, it puts things in perspective for me to say, you know what? Um, I haven't been asked to do what she was asked to do. Mm. And, uh, and she did it with, uh, at least from her writings and speaking, uh, such a degree of, um, real, real grace, um, that, uh, that, that I just appreciated. Um, I, so this is very personal. Um, so let me tell you guys about Nicholas Haldeman. <laughs> um, Nicholas Haldeman immigrated from Switzerland in 1727. And, uh, and so I have this, uh, genealogical book at home that lists like all the genealogies from one of his sons, Christopher, uh, including up through myself. And so mm-hmm. from, from Nicholas to my kids, it's like 14 generations. So I like to say that the Haldemans were here before the United States was here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but here's, here's what I found out just in reading about them. Um, that the Haldemans, they uh, originated in Switzerland. It was 1670s that their name shows up in records. Um, in, uh, in the two places where they're, where they're recorded, it was because they were being banished from a town in connection with uh, the Anabaptist movement, mm-hmm. the Radical Reformation. Um, on the headstone that was actually rebuilt for Nicholas Haldeman, it says, uh, founding trustee of the Lower Salford Mennonite Church, uh, progenitor pro, pro, is that am i saying that right progenitor progen yeah whatever of the of the haldeman mennonites um and i just find it so meaningful that you know here's here's uh someone 14 generations ago that that followed the lord from what i can see and uh and i don't know um i don't know anything about his life you know what he vowed you know what any, anything about his hobbies or you know what he did but i know that a faith mattered to him and that was passed on literally every single generation. And, you know, even as a kid, like I grew up in an Anabaptist church and just recognizing the influence that faith can have over multiple generations, hundreds of years. That is cool to think about going back in your own family tree and saying that's still in that impacted me because it impacted my parents and it had been passed down. And now I'm still passing on some legacy of faith. Yeah, exactly. That's a cool thing. So that calls to mind uh, a song called Generations Hmm. by Sarah Groves. And it's interesting because she talks about that, about looking back into the history of our family and how there was um, a a strand, if you will, of thread of faith and how it was passed down to her. Hmm. And she was actually the person I was going to suggest. Really? Yeah, because I think that, I know she's still alive, so it's, kind of, you know, questionable if we should put someone alive on our list. But I know, just keeping it real, that there are seasons in a woman's life where we are not in the Word. We are not reading biographies of Christian greats. We are simply making it in life. And sometimes Mm -hmm. music that is gospel-centered and biblically grounded just gets us through that season. And this was Sarah Groves for me. When I was a young mom and I just couldn't spend the time I wanted to in the Word, I would turn on her music at different times in the day and it would fill my soul in a way that kept me grounded. And, and I think 
that's maybe the case for some of our listeners that sometimes we get yeah. our theology from song. Mm-hmm. So we want to be careful with what we listen to. And I would recommend Sarah Groves. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I said John Stott and he was a pastor hmm. in England for a generation, a generation ago for a generation. And the reason I thought of him, he's written a lot of books um, on that are just expositions of the New Testament, especially that I think are some of the best simple expositions of the New Testament. Um, and I just like somebody who, and this might tie into what I do, but somebody who showed up every week, preached faithfully, taught a congregation, and God used it in mm-hmm. in a substantial way. And so again, kind of on the mundane theme of, and nobody you know says, oh, John Stott, uh, but here we are, you know, years after seeing an impact that uh, that he had uh, across generations as well. So, yeah. so okay, so. Now these lists were probably way more personal, obviously, than mm. uh, than the first list that we did. Um, so, so what would if if somebody's listening to this right now and still listening? <laughs> what uh, you know to our ramblings of some people that we said <laughs> we found inspirational in our lives for a variety of reasons? What would you say is an important thing to kind of synthesize? Um, what people have heard or to think about with, with people. Uh, I'd say don't, don't feel like you need to end up on Mount Rushmore. And like, it's, this is, you know, a great discussion to have about who's been most influential in, you know, the world of Christianity. But, um, but that's not what God calls all of us to. Like, sometimes it is just simple acts of faithful obedience. And, um, and I think that's what we, where our focus needs to be, not on, you know, am I going to be great? Um, am I going to change the world, but, you know, am I just going to be faithful to God? Okay. I would agree. And much like we concluded when we were talking about the biblical greats, you know, we learn from people's lives. And one of the reasons I picked current, you know, um, blogger and, and songwriter is they're talking about the hardships of life and people can resonate with that. And then they can think they, they recognize their need for Christ. And so I think that humbly living the life that we've been called to live is what builds the community of God and gives people something to, to connect with. So I would say maybe I'm more drawn to those that are less known mm-hmm. because of that very reason. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, helpful to look at history, known, unknown, obscure, you know, whatever that is. And draw some some encouragement from the lives that have gone before us. Uh, I think there can be a temptation. Maybe this is just my temptation, and that is to not want to ever idolize people, um, and as a result, to kind of step back from even drawing the encouragement that hmm. that I can draw from people, or to be afraid of the the um, stuff that you might go, ah, that wasn't awesome. Like, you know, did this person write something that, you know, it's like, ah, that's uh, uh, something I don't want to endorse or something like that. And instead of just being able to say, God has brought such a rich diversity of people who have um, followed him and made an impact in so many different ways in so many different contexts. Yeah. And, and it's really that faithfulness over time from people that has, um, really impacted the world uh, in a variety of ways. And, and I think that's encouraging if we can step back and see the beauty of that. And I find great comfort knowing that the church is 
is over time, the church is growing as we come to understand issues better. And, you know, when we look back, you know, 500 years ago at some of the, you know, quote unquote heroes, that they struggled with stuff that today we're like, really? Like, that's so obvious. And I, yeah, I, I find comfort knowing that 500 years from now, people are going to look back at us and think the same thing, that um, we're part of a long history. And Maybe growing. 14 generations from now, there will be a Haldeman right. somewhere <laughs> who will say, there was once a guy, Joel Haldeman, who was in a long line of Haldemans right. who walked with Jesus. That, that would be a cool thing. Yeah. So, Well, thank you for uh, spending part of your day, uh, Joel, Emily. Thank you for uh, your thoughts on this. And um, you can look forward to future podcasts uh, here on Perspectives where we continue just to talk about issues that are current and in some cases things that maybe aren't um, current, but just we hope interesting and encouraging to you uh, to think uh, biblically in the world that we live in.